0: Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Last night, one of my sons slept in our room on the floor in a sleeping bag, and it's because he couldn't go to sleep. He had watched with his brothers the movie uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas on Netflix because one of our older sons had read that book for school, and so they watched the movie together. And, of course, if you're, if you're familiar at all with this film or with the book, it, it's built around the theme of the Holocaust. And uh, my my son was asking us, did this really happen? And we said, yes, the, the Holocaust really happened. And it's it's actually even worse of a horror than than what you're seeing on this, this film. And explained to him uh, some things about the Holocaust. He was deeply, deeply troubled by this and spent a long time talking about how how such a wicked and evil thing could happen he couldn't go to sleep he wanted to sleep on our floor near us sometimes when when we're teaching our children one of the most difficult things that we run up against is precisely one of the most difficult things any of us face and that's the question of evil and suffering in the world where is god when we have evil and suffering the the brothers karamazov book. Of course, Ivan is the, the atheist, uh, rationalist voice uh, among the brothers, and he says the idea of heaven is not worth the suffering and the torture of one child. And, and Ivan goes through with his brother, Alyosha, and says, and says if, if you could prevent that kind of suffering, you would. And so how could we expect anything less out of God? That is a real question and a real burden that we see people in the Scriptures themselves wrestling with. And so when you have your child coming to you and saying, how could God let this happen? Why? In some cases, it's with uh, a great historical atrocity, uh, the, the Holocaust, for instance. Sometimes it's with something that's taking place on the news, How can this village be wiped out by this tsunami, or how can these people be dying of of starvation? And sometimes it's with something that the child himself or herself is grappling with in terms of suffering right now. Uh, Why is it that I have this illness, or why is it that my parents divorced, or why is it that that this this aspect of suffering is coming upon me? How do you navigate that? And I I have just a couple thoughts to. encourage you with as you try to deal with that. The first one is avoid easy answers. Uh, w- one of the things we, we want to do sometimes is to shortcut uh, that conversation by giving a sentence or two that can can just shut down the conversation and that we think will, will comfort the child. And so you might say, well, God desires freedom... And so he gives people the freedom to do what they want so that they will freely love him, and the, the end result is a world in which terrible things can happen. Or you, you can go through any of the, the, the other uh, various uh, defenses of God that we see in, in light of, of evil and suffering and just put it in a child size uh, nugget and give it to that child. If you give the child this easy answer, though you're not going to address the fundamental problem you're you're going to have the child think my mom or dad or or teacher or whoever it is that you are in this child's life is just wanting to avoid this question or even worse the child will think that you don't you're not really weighed down with the weight and the seriousness of this question and i would say the first thing to do is to Make sure that your child sees evil as evil. I was encouraged in the case of my son that he was troubled, that he that 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 he couldn't sleep when he was facing this atrocity, because that's a real atrocity. It, It ought to provoke something within us that that calls this what it is. It's evil, it's injustice, it's satanic. And so the, the Bible calls on us through the prophet Isaiah not to call good evil and evil good. And so the, the very fact that you have a child who is saying, I see this going on, and it's wrong, it's, it's wicked, it's, it's evil, that's a, that's a very good sign of a child who is learning to discern, uh, as, as the Bible calls us to do, what the will of God is what God finds in and of itself pleasing, what God, uh, what God commands us, how God commands us to live. And so when a child sees violence and sees bloodshed and sees uh, all of these atrocities going on and the child recognizes this is not the way it's supposed to be, that's a good sign. The, the presence of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 causes us to, among other things, to groan as we, as we see the captivity of the creation uh, around us, to, to long for the revealing of the sons of God. And so you, you want to make sure that your child really does see evil and suffering, not as illusions, not as, uh, not as simple problems to be given some sort of little pat answer to, but as, as genuine aspects of, of wrongdoing and of, of evil and at the same time, to have an understanding of God's sovereignty. We don't want the child to see God as evil. And so a, a child that sees God as sovereign, but who doesn't see the biblical picture of what sin is and how sin is a revolt against God, can have a sovereign God who is nonetheless uh, evil, uh, and, and many people see God that way, as though God is, as John Calvin said, throwing us around like we're we're juggling balls, and and so God uh, isn't able to distinguish good from evil because whatever God does is is thereby good. The, the Bible though gives us a picture of God as sovereign, and also gives us a picture of evil as evil. If you if you don't have that recognition. You're going to have a child who isn't able then to ultimately cry out, Abba, Father, to cry out for deliverance. And if you don't have a child who's able to see the sovereignty of God, then you're going to have a child who can be thrown into fearfulness and hopelessness in the light of evil. We, we want the child to see evil is real and evil is not permanent. That the, the final say is not won by death and hell, but there's a, a final restoration, there's a wiping away of all tears, and this evil will not ultimately stand. And so in the middle of that, the answer is going to be an answer that appeals to mystery. Now, some, some people become really unnerved any time that they hear uh, mystery, because they assume that mystery is a cop out you know, we appeal to mystery when we when we don't want to explain rationally what's taking place and yet uh, how how one can have that view in light of what the scripture itself is saying to us about the mystery of god that the revealed things belong to us but the secret things belong to god i'll i'll never know in the book of job the, the friends of Job, the counselors of Job, are the ones who have all of the answers. They have rational answers. They have moral answers. They're able to fit uh, how everything that's happening in the life of Job corresponds with what God is doing. God doesn't do that, though. God silences them, and God instead acknowledges the reality of the suffering that Job is facing. He appeals to, not an explanation but the mysteriousness of his own purposes and of his own plans in allowing this evil and this suffering to take place. And ultimately, what God gives to Job is not an explanation. He is giving to Job his presence. And so Job is is then able, after God comes through and and, uh, speaks to him and says, uh, where were you when I did this, and where were you when I did that? Where were you when I when I founded the heavens and I built the foundation of the earth? And and he he confronts Job with all of those things. Job's reaction and Job's response to that is not now. I can see how all of these things are, are perfectly understandable. He says instead, "I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes." see you. What God gives to Job is not an explanation, but his presence. And it seems to me that's exactly what we want to communicate to our children when we're talking about evil and suffering in the world. There are, to a certain degree, the answer that we are going to have to give is, I don't know. When the disciples say of the man born blind to Jesus, why is he blind? Is it is it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? Jesus, Jesus does not give them the answer that they want to have given to them. He says, neither one. He doesn't explain it. When the tower falls and, and kills uh, the, the people and, and they ask, uh, and others ask Jesus about it, he doesn't give them, well, here is what God was doing in allowing that to take place. He appeals instead to the glory of God himself. Our answer, in many cases, is going to be, I don't know. I don't know why God allowed that to happen, but I have confidence in a God who is moving all of history under the reign of Jesus Christ, a God who is not distant from our suffering, but a God who sent his only begotten Son to suffer in the middle of our atrocities at the cross. And what we're ultimately wanting to do is to teach our children not how to find rational explanations for, for every awful thing that's happening in the world or that's happening personally in their lives, but to teach our children how to weep, teach our children how to cry, first of all. The, the, the Bible is filled with lament. And part of what it means to be discipled is to be the people who know how to lament and know, and know what there is to lament of, uh, to, to, to cry out about, and then how to find God. When you don't have an explanation, when you, when you don't know why things are happening, to know where to run, and so to teach them not to run away from the Father, but to run toward the Father. When the, when the Spirit calls us to, to groan, to prompt us then by the Spirit to cry out, Abba, Father. We want to teach them to have the inclination to want to run toward God. And then finally, to teach them how to hope. To teach them that we live in a world in which there are mudslides and, and murders and awful awful realities that exist around us. We live in a world haunted by devils, and yet we have hope that ultimately God, through the gospel, is triumphant over all of those things. That's what we're confident about. And then often we have to say, I don't know why that happened, but I know who God is because I see his face in the face of Jesus Christ, who isn't distant from suffering but is crucified. Raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear.